Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode in the morning of Tuesday, the 13th of July. Um, Our roundup this week is going to look at some of the GDP figures that were released for May. As always, there's a little bit of an alarm bell of caution around these monthly figures because they are quite um, quite a new statistic that have is relying on quite kind of high frequency data that isn't always the most um, reliable. They often get revised um, after the event. Labour shortages have been quite a theme, I think, for, for us over previous weeks and particularly how that plays into concerns about inflation um, and so on. So we'll, we'll look at some, some new figures that Nick has picked up on that. And also, again, sea bills um, and the, the issue of personal guarantees and, and, and directors potentially being on the hook for some of the, the loans that may not be recovered, I think it's worth worth looking um, looking at that, that research. So, Nick, let's start with those GDP numbers for May. Yes. What are the yes. interesting in, in, points? In, in, indeed. Um, I mean, the headline figures are pretty straightforward. Uh, GDP was up 0.8% versus the general consensus of 1.5%. That's a drop. Uh, The 0.8% in May was down from a rise of 2% in April. Mm -hmm. And the economy is now 3.1% below pre-pandemic levels. Right. And I have to say... um, the words that came into my head when I looked at the um, the detail of it and the tone of the announcement were limp, um, pallid, um, hesitant. I think is the is the tone here. I, I mean, the big feature that they brought out was that uh, manufacturing growth was really seriously hit yeah. by uh, a sixteen point five percent drop in car production, well, vehicle production. But Car production uh, because of the um, the chip shortage, which and we're seeing this saying, again. Oh, we? we're seeing this this supply the supply side issue um, is, and that's both kind of sources of raw materials, but also, of course, all the yeah. um, logistical problems that we've we've talked about over over recent months. And that has that's a real right. problem if that sustains for any length of time. A short blip is is recoverable from, but if this is actually a sustained issue then we well, can start to see some real drag on, on GDP. The, the predictions on chip shortages are worrying because they're talking, I mean, I've, I've seen everything uh, out to the suggestion this will still be an issue in 2023. Gosh, gosh. But I think most people think it'll be sorted by sometime next year. Right. Uh, but still, you know, that's a, that's a big blip because it's been happening for a while already. And of course, that will have an impact on prices and, you know, inflation. So that all these things are so, as we've said many times before, these things are so interconnected. Um, and if we're worried about um, inflation, which I think we on this podcast are, um, yeah. then then this is, again, not not great news from that point of view. That's right. And um, construction sector had the roughest time. Uh, it was down 0.8%. That's the second negative month for construction Indications seem to be that it's it was down to material shortages. Ha-ha, <laughs> it's okay. supply chain okay. again. Yeah. But also some pretty adverse weather in May. It's not yeah. a great month. One way and labour shortages. I mean, we'll come back to that oh, in labor. a little bit, but labour yeah. again. Yeah. Um, services sector, um, <clears throat> unsurprisingly, was up 0.9%, driven heavily 
by accommodation and food services where GDP went up 37.1%. Wow. Because wow. pubs and restaurants were able yeah. to op- open indoors. But the the uh, release um, highlights that there are ongoing issues in travel, transport, and certain personal services. I can tell you from personal experience and from a, uh, a Zoom call I was on, on about an hour and a half ago, um, hair and beauty is really struggling. At least male hair and beauty is really struggling. Um, many more men are happier with longer hair or having it cut at home than seems to be the case before. But generally, um, some personal services um, are, are not yet recovering. There was also a note that I picked up, I think, on the Sky News website, looking at the slightly longer um, run, suggesting that the three months GDP movement up to May, so that's March, April, May, um, was 3.6% rise compared to the previous three months. Okay, but again, we think these are monthly numbers, which we should treat with a bit of caution. Mm -hmm. We think so. Um, And and, um, because we were talking also earlier, but we not about the the retail sales figures from the yeah no that's interesting and, and I feel that there's there's there seems to be some slight dissonance doesn't there between the the relatively as you say kind of hesitant numbers from May to the pretty upbeat uh, release mm. that came out this morning um, on from the British Retail Consortium which I think is an association with KPMG isn't it these yes. um, these retail mm. figures and there we're seeing sales for April to June, they're saying that retail sales increased by 10.4%. Is that right? Compared to 2019. 19. Okay. So this is quite interesting because of the prepense. So we're actually getting a, a proper comparison that, to that, that, relatively that, normal. That's right. I have to tell you, as I say to every listener and everybody who has the misfortune to hear me on radio or see me on TV or see me in print about retail, there are no statistics on retail sales that anybody in the industry really trusts. Certainly not the ONS data, which is referred to as um, as the alternative universe of planet ONS. And these numbers aren't particularly um, useful, but that, you know, over a period of time, they're a trend. And I think that's positive. The two takeaways I, I had from this announcement was that the percentage of online sales is dropping as people predicted it would as non-essential retail reopened but it's still way above where it was pre-pandemic levels Mm. and it continues to confirm the sensation in the retail the feeling in the retail trade that um you know we're not going back to the same split between online and physical stores i mean if only because there aren't as many physical stores well absolutely yeah shopping um and and anymore and people are of course so much more comfortable with uh with 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 shopping online and and the other little tidbit in in there were some numbers about uh, from barclay card about um card spending oh yes okay this is interesting yeah and and card spending in june to 2021 was up 11.1 percent on June 2019. Now you found an interesting point in this because I had I had just thought that that meant well you know people are out more doing more spending but your take on this is a little bit different isn't it Nick? Do you yeah. think there's something underneath? Yes well I think what this tells you um, is uh, it, this speaks about the death of cash shopping. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think in my village, I don't think there's a shop left that takes cash. 
So, and people have got, you know, people who were hesitant previously about using cards are, you know, have been forced into, into using this. Yeah, they've had to get used to it, haven't they? Maybe yeah. they've had to adapt. I think the answer is, you know, if retail sales spending is up on 2019, you would expect to see it in the card spending. This looks like a slightly higher number. And I think it's to do with the death of cash. And of course, we don't know anything about the amounts of these transactions, for example, do we? We just no. It's just a count of the, of the total number of transactions rather than anything on value. Um, so again, these are, these are really interesting things to start looking at when we, when we do get the June quarter um, numbers. Yes. It will be interesting to see how, if we can see any links um, through, to, through to these. I suppose the other thing um, I, I think we're going to touch on a little bit at the end, we may come back, but let's just mention here um, while we're talking about retail, the Grimsey review, Nick, which yes. you've been beavering away on with your um, with your colleagues, that's due to come out this Friday. Friday. It'll be published on 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 Friday. I can tell you now that it will be a message of triumph and hope about independent retailers, but it'll be um, the grim in Grimsey um, will be about debt levels because um, we calculate um, with a great deal of help from um, from Company Watch, of course. We calculate that the debt levels for independent retailers, not the chains, independent retailers, hospitality units and hair and beauty units in our high streets and our, uh, town centres has gone up by a factor of four and a half times. Wow. Goodness. Goodness me. Um, the, the, the details will all, will all be in the report, but that's the screaming headline figure is that, and, and this is all bounce back loans. Yeah. It's all bounce back loans. Yeah. There'll be the odd C bill in there, but it's bounce back loans, and and we are calling vociferously for a debt forgiveness scheme, uh, which I don't suppose will go down well with the Treasury. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, and you and, you mentioned this. You reminded me that George Osborne had been had been championing this. Um, yes, call I mean he was talking year. about he was talking about a debt equity swap. I mean. How the hell the uh, the Treasury would do debt equity swaps for 175,000 independent retail businesses owing an average of 30 grand? I'm not quite so sure. But interestingly, the French government has an active scheme for debt forgiveness for businesses. And again, the other thing we're saying in the in the Grimsey review is this mustn't be a blanket debt forgiveness. It mm. must only be for viable businesses. And in sectors, presumably, the, the kind of sectors most, most badly affected. Yes, it absolutely. I mean, again, the mechanics of implementing that are going to be a challenge. But anyway, we call for it. But um, hopefully, Joe, it will, uh, I will send you the report today, embargoed, and it'll be available for people to look at from... One minute past midnight on Friday morning. Friday. We will be able so to press the button, Nick. Stay up, stay up late. And it's it, it's a riveting read, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, they are always interesting, actually. I have to say, I, I you know, I've not been involved in putting this together, but I always find the they're 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 kind of provocatively written, but they are interesting yeah. reads and they're always beautifully presented. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting my yeah, hands we, on. We've got the latest some, we've got one. some great stories of hope. We've got some very sad stories about suicides caused by the pandemic um yeah. but um suicide well suicide pacts rather than suicides but it is full of it's full of hope um uh, but it's going to need an awful lot of help um for you know the promise of the independent sector which is the future of the high street yeah absolutely centers so labor shortages 
Yes. So this is research you picked up from, and it's a kind of collaboration, isn't it, between between certain... Yes, this um, is interesting. The the, um, commissioners of the research are the Recruitment and Employment Confederation, otherwise known as REC, uh, jointly with KPMG, which of course lends credibility to it. And the work was done, the research was done by IHS Market, which gives it real credibility in terms of of quality. And they um, spoke to 400 recruitment businesses between the 11th and the 24th of June. So this is pretty current. And there's a crystal clear picture comes out of this. Permanent placement activity growth is at a 24-year record high. Wow. Temporary billing levels rose sharply, but of course, overall vacancies are also at a record 24-year high. And of course, they cited two things that we would have predicted and one that we hadn't really thought about. Mm. Brexit, coronavirus uncertainty, they also blame for the lack of um, of available candidates, the furlough scheme. And this is why, because people are not moving jobs that would otherwise have moved jobs because they are on a furlough scheme. Absolutely. And and, and it's sort of, it's part of the coronavirus uncertainty. Why would you change from a furlough job, Mm. even if you were worried about what's going to happen when furlough ends, um, to a new job um, with even greater uncertainty? So I think what they're suggesting is a lot of people are sitting tight there um the thing that worried me you know that 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 didn't tell me anything i i didn't already know i think what it did confirm was that the um permanent starter salaries rose in that period middle to end of june at the sharpest rate since july 2014 and short-term temp um staff rates fastest rise since October 2014. So there you are, wage inflation, red in tooth and claw. Coming and we know and we know that this is what the Bank of England are particularly worried about, the wage inflation. That is the thing that they said that they will start acting yes. on when when um yeah. when they see some real evidence of that. So not, not as worried as worried as Andy Haldane, but they, there we go. <laughs> well there that we will go. be interesting. That because he's finally left, doesn't he? So we'll keep our eyes open for the next um NPC report. N- NPC. Um, but but there was an interesting um read across here, something that I, I think um opened your eyes, Joe. Um the Caterer magazine at sort of beginning of June reported a little fact factoid from within the ONS data, labour force data and the furlough scheme data for May. And the ONS reported, and I must say I missed it, that 55% of hospitality workers were still on furlough in May. That's that's high, isn't it? We wouldn't have expected necessarily that, you know, with the opening and so on. At peak it was 91%. Now that compares with all other industries, the uh, furlough rate varied between 8 and 15%. Right. So it's 55%. Really quite, quite different. And, and, and I sat there and puzzled because, you know, in May, many restaurants and, and pubs were back open, open indoors. I mean, not all, but I mean, a lot of pubs um, in city centres still couldn't make any, any financial sense of it. Mm-hmm. But... I went out for dinner, um, um, 
bravely in the in the, one of my favourite restaurants in in the, in the, in London, and had a conversation with the lovely front of house manager Mark, who I know very well, who pointed out to me that um, pre pandemic he ran front of house. He led and he had four assistants, not necessarily right. all there at the same time. Mm-hmm. He's now managing on his own with part-time support from a member of staff who has other duties in the restaurant. Goodness. And he said to me, if I leave, this restaurant closes. And, and here's the point. It's the mismatch point. If a restaurant or indeed a pub that's dependent on food can't find a chef or the right kitchen staff or a front of house manager there's no, they don't open at all mm. and so all the other staff are still Go on on and, and, and even if that's for part time in the week so even if they can staff for you know often we're hearing from perhaps wednesday to saturday or thursday to sunday is open but the other hours yeah. would be on furlough and they would be in these in these stats yeah. wouldn't they they would. So, so it's, it just shows that some um, sectors are, you know, just imagine what's going to happen when we get to the end of the furlough scheme. You know, if, if we're still in this preposterous situation where, uh, you know, where you end up with all the staff at a restaurant self-isolating. I mean, hopefully that won't happen after August mm. the 16th. But, um, but even it's not just a self-isolating issue. It's the, as we were just talking about, it's the availability of, availability of staff itself. as well. Um, and then you become with furlough, it, it perhaps becomes manageable to um, mm. to manage with half a week opening. But once that furlough scheme scheme ends, what does what do the economics I know. look like? I know. And finally, have we got time for C bills and the personal guarantee? Yes, yes. Let's 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 quickly look at look at that. Um, yes, the um, one of the many um, online only um, business uh, websites published some stats that a bit of an eye-opener for me about the problem that's looming for gar- for directors who guaranteed C-bills. Yeah. Now, and now to remind ourselves, what, was the, what were the rules here? So there was only 20% of personal guarantee and it had to be, the loan had to be for greater than £250,000. And the guarantee could not capture the matrimonial home. Right. Private residence. Primary residence. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what uh, came out from the research done done for this uh, website was that eight percent of sea bills were, were were PG'd. I sort of thought it might be higher than that, but anyway, it's eight percent. But the average loan value for those that were personally guaranteed by directors was seven hundred and seventy five thousand pounds. Which means that assuming there were no recoveries as the bank tried to work out that loan, that the directors with a 20% guarantee limit are on the hook for 150k. That's not insignificant. And they will come to this first. This will be this, they will try to recover this they have part to. first. They mm. have to. They will, I mean, the, the rule of thumb is you know, the way, way it works with these situations is the bank will go to the company's assets first. They will appoint them. You know, they will they will secure the appointment of an administrator. Um, if uh, maybe a receiver, if they've got a charge over a property within the business, um, and then subject to that, at the same time as they start the recovery on the business assets, they will trigger the guarantee. So the director will get a get a letter from the bank saying, and by the way, we are calling your guarantee. 
we'll talk to you in due course when we know what your liability is. Then they will go for the director if there's a shortfall against the business assets, and only then will they go to the government guarantee. And the government guarantee, in, in any case, is only 80% mm. on Siebel's. So it, it, it's a chastening uh, comment. And, and I can tell you that um, uh, I, I'm picking up through uh, through my insolvency contacts that there is beginning to be some concern in the in the director community about this risk. Because and we've still with the I think the announcement was back in February, wasn't it? That there are um, there are easing of the repayment terms yeah. for these. So we I think the idea behind those was to smooth out any um, any defaults to, to to rather than have a big bang where everything was being yep. um, being repaid this year. I think there are repayment holidays and there are interest only payment periods and, and so on. Oh yes, all, but all even so, um, yeah. But uh, and the issue here is that in theory. C-bills went to bigger businesses with more substance mm. and therefore one would hope better prospects of repaying and better prospects of being a viable business. But I'm not sure it's quite that simple. And there, you know, there will be borrowers under the C-bills scheme who will, be, will know now that they can't repay. So this will this will start to trigger. Let's hope it's a, only a limited number of cases. Indeed. Well, Nick, thank you as as ever for a really interesting roundup of the um, the week's news. We're we're obviously really looking forward to the Friday release of the Grimsey review. As thank we said, you. we will make that available um, on our website, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail when you're allowed to talk about it in yeah. more detail um, next week when we record. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.